Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where we empower you to be your finest self, living life on your terms. I'm your host, Gina Meyer-Vincent, and today I'm so excited to share someone near and dear to me, Lynette Hoy. Since 1994, I know that sounds like yesterday, but when I see the numbers, it makes me realize it's not yesterday, right? Since 1994, publicity campaign expert Lynette Hoy has practiced public relations in different capacities, inclusive of founding her firm, Fire Talker PR, which definitely suits her, 12 years ago. A fiery connector, and that's why I like her, wink, wink, and an idea generator, another thing that I wish I was, she has turned C-suit executives into speakers and thought leaders, featured in major media, including CNN, MSNBC, Inc. Magazine, Fortune Magazine, and a heck of a lot more. So welcome, Lynette. I am so happy to share this time with you and share you with the world. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. Yes. So Lynette, I one thing that's near and dear to my heart is helping people appear in this magical world, because I believe that when we appear, when we take those veils off, when we find our missing pieces and we speak from our truth about our desires and we use our gifts and talents that we really help the world become a better place because we shine from the inside and kind of like a, you know, a sunshine, we light the way for others. And I know that's exactly near and dear to your heart. I know you help people appear. I know you've helped me appear in a, a bigger way and we're still working on that, right? It's, it's a work in progress. But I want to ask you, because so often I find that the things that we end up doing in our career are often because we had some kind of experience with it ourselves. And I know um, I like having a microphone next to me or in my hand uh, because I feel like that's one of the things I was born for, to be seen and heard. And knowing you and knowing the name of your business, Fire Talker, right? (laughs) That immediately says she's seen and heard, right? So I want to ask you, was there ever a time, and this is a very personal question, so share with us as much or as little as you feel comfortable, but was there ever a time in your life that maybe you didn't feel seen in the right way um, or at all, or didn't feel heard or understood or not heard at all, or both? Absolutely. And this has traveled throughout my entire life, Mm. uh, through my corporate career and into uh, running my business, starting my business. When I was a child, uh, my earliest memory of this is around five. Wow. I was a very... Uh, vivacious, very tenacious, very mile a minute, never stop talking child, which is also a little reminiscent of how I am today. And my father uh, would had a firm belief that uh, children were to be seen mm. and not heard. And because I was a talker, because uh, I missed my dad so much. Uh, mm-hmm. He 
worked weekends. He, you know, mm. he was gone quite a bit. And when he would come home, <laughs> he would have, you know, about 30 seconds of bandwidth. And then uh, I would be sent to my room to go play. Oh. Uh, it was, and it, I could be in mid-sentence or whatever it was. And mm. he would put up his hands and he would oh say, he'd say, okay, Lynette, you, you need to go to your room. And it oh. and my mother would cart me off, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and it, she would tell me to stay in my room yeah. until I came. She came and got me, and it was okay to come out. And that really sent uh, a message through my whole being. Yeah, that, you know, not only was I not good enough to be heard or. Mm-hmm listened to uh, but seen as well and right. Another- right physically removed right you were you were you were not asked to just sit and be quiet and put your hands in your lap right, right. <laughs> like like you were like you were in, you know in church be quiet okay sit quietly or you're in yes. the library back then but you were actually physically um removed yeah yeah my mother the other piece that really hit me hard that I recall is my mother uh, would tell me, you know, as I'm talking away as a little one, even older, actually, uh, up through middle school, and she would be cleaning or whatever, yeah. even vacuuming. And, okay. and she would say, uh, why don't you just come with me and you can talk while I work? And, you know, and later on in life, she said, Lynette, if I didn't do that, I would never get anything done ever. Yeah. I would yeah. just sit, sit in. But it, it sent a message, and I'm sure she didn't mean it. But right. But it truly sent a message that, yes, I was not worth, you know, being yeah. seen, you know, being, uh, having someone sit down and look at me. Right. Uh, really uh, experiencing me, feeling who I was and, and listen to me. Yeah. And uh, following my mom around talking when she's not even looking at me and she's busy doing something else. Right. I mean, that was, that was really painful. That, that grew into other things later on. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so many thoughts have come up. I mean, being a mom of two while my husband was, you know, um, falling apart. I want to say deathly ill. He's alive and well now, thanks to organ donation. But I know there there were times where I was like, okay, you know, kind of like the same thing. I need to fold laundry. Keep talking about preschool or whatever, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever it was, because you're trying to multitask. But then I also. Um, you know, early on, I want to say, listen, I'm not the best mom. I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes and I'm willing to confess to them and, and own up to them. But I remember what really uh, taught me what you're speaking to. And thank you for giving a voice to that because that is quite personal. But I know that it's happened and somebody is listening right now and going, Oh gosh, that happened to me. I know several people who have told me in person that that was, 
you know, the way, like you're seen and not heard, seen and not heard. Sometimes it was just because they were a woman, even older, like, you know, as an adult, a woman should be seen and not heard older than you and I, you know, somebody older than you and I. But um, what I learned with teaching yoga was more that exactly what you're speaking to, like it, it's a blessing when somebody is willing to speak from their heart. And so to stop what you're doing, or the other thing I've learned to do is say, I can't discuss this right now, or I, I need, like, they'll come to my office and my daughter will be like, and you're like, I, I am, I'm typing, like, I need to finish this email. Then we'll, you know, especially when she was younger, like, give me three minutes to finish what I'm doing to close out this, because I need to finish my thought, you know, and I think it's hard for people who work at home, right? Our spouse walks in and they're like, Hey, you know, and you're like, okay, that's nice. You left your office upstairs. And, but you know what, you're walking into Lynette and I are on a podcast right now, I'm right. Filming, you know, and you're like doing the wave, please not, don't come in now. But to be able to say, speak our truth and say, Hey, husband, Hey, child, Hey, friend, um, I need 15 minutes or, um, I, I don't feel well. I'm, I'm struggling with a horrible headache, uh, come back in 30 or, you know, I need to, whatever you're doing, you know, so that you can then connect and right. I read in your bio, a fiery connector, which I love because you know, I'm the same and that's why we hit it off first time we spoke, but the other thing I was thinking of, like for somebody who's listening, who may have done what Lynette's um, and, and we love her dad and her mom, right? Things were different then. Um, life was different then. Kids were expected to be different then. Um, but one thing that I noticed with my husband, because he is not a fiery connector like Lynette and I, but I realized when after seeing patients all day when he was in full patient care, he was so drained mentally of like a new face, a new story, a new face, a new story. You know, whether it was 15 minutes with one 30, an hour with the other, that was many people coming and going, plus the people in his office talking yeah. with him that he needed like, I want to say man cave time. So it was nice it was weird, but nice in a good way when he had to drive 30 or 45 minutes home, which sounds like a chore. Well, it might be a chore now with gas prices, but back then, but it was actually a way for him to kind of start decompressing so that he could receive little Lynette in a nicer way, you know? And so I think it's, that's a great point, Lynette, like figuring out if we do have those kinds of jobs where we're on, you know, I don't know, you're a, a doctor like Mark or somebody who's working with clients all day or in front of a camera with a ring light in your eyes all day. And you just need, it's giving a voice to, you know, I love you little one, but I, I need to go, I'm going to take a shower, you know, and rinse off and start my day over or find a way that we can have a routine to like connect because Lynette, that brings tears to my eyes because I know I've done it to my kids at times. Not all, not all the time. 
Well, I'll give you an example. When Mark was sick and I was trying to cook, people were bringing us beautiful meals, but I had to read what I had to do to finish the meal, right? What temperature is this casserole? What am I doing with this salad? Like, okay, put this in, add that. And I hadn't been sleeping for months and I had been like on edge with him. And Sonia would come in at the dancer she is and spin in circles around the kitchen island. And it was just distracting enough that I was like, you can't dance here. Yeah, I'm trying to finish this. So finally, I would say to her, you know, I love you dancing. I love you doing cartwheels. Do them. You know, the weather is nice. Go out in the yard, do it, and then come in and I'll have dinner ready. Or do it in the dining room. You're close enough that I can get a glimmer of how beautiful you're spinning. But it was actually making me dizzy. You know, like I was like, I'm like getting dizzy and I'm trying to read somebody's handwriting that I don't know very well. And and then trying to work the oven. Like, you know, it was, I was so frazzled, but we, we can get so busy. So Lynette, when, I mean, you were young, right? So I feel like at that age, we don't really have all of our coping skills yet, but like, how did, how did you feel? And then how did you, you know, react or how did you cope? I mean, what? My, my whole thing was, uh, first of all, both of my parents were narcissists, which uh, uh, makes it very difficult because what I just talked about and being a small child is is really on steroids in a way and uh, most uh, children that are raised by narcissists my father was one end of the spectrum more of the uh, when you're talking and he wants silence he'd slam oh. his hand on the table and scurried it up uh, and uh, very sort of militant in style yeah uh, and cared about himself yeah uh, uh, very uh, uh could not pass a mirror without stopping to look um wow <laughs> uh and we had mirrors and uh uh you know really fancy you know and the injury yeah. of our home and i'm thinking yeah. so and there are other places as well and you know it was something that i remembered but i also remembered i mean he was very very strict and over mm -hmm. a little overbearing yeah. and my mother on the other hand uh played the goody two shoes mm. and was extremely manipulative and mm. and these things really didn't come out for me until much later but children raised by people like that and my my younger sister turned out to be uh, a very strong manipulator uh, and I could never keep up with that. And it also, you know, uh, I just, it made me, my self-esteem between mm. my parents and my sibling uh, really dropped. And, yeah. um, and I also, so she was the extreme of one being yeah. raised by a narcissist. I was the extreme on the other side, being the people pleaser, yeah. Uh, wanting to be seen and heard and trying to yeah. do everything in the world to do that. Uh, and it over through my life, it has generally manifested in uh, that, you know, lack of uh, self-worth, 
that can uh, flow into overwhelm, uh, yes. getting stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, one of the devils that has uh, also come from that. And it's a, uh, you work as a transformation expert. And I know you've heard these types of stories mm-hmm. and in working with you. And yes. it's a, a, a very difficult thing for people to yes. go through transformation that pulls them away from that. And mm-hmm. it, it's really, uh, sometimes there's no words for uh, how badly it makes you feel about yourself. Oh. Yes, I am. You know, um, it, it breaks my heart, right? When I hear that, because my experience was different, but I see it often. And you are right. There are no words. It's just, um, and then I guess for me, it's because I'm empathic. I have empathy in a way that I feel other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and intuitively, I feel them. And so, it's okay sometimes, you know, I want to say it's okay there are no words because you, you've, you I think you've given everybody a, a sense of how that feels just with the few words that you have given us. But um, like I, I like to say, and my husband was raised by a narcissist and I, you know, I met my father-in-law while he was alive, while we were uh dating and then engaged and, and then married and, and then me as a mom. And it was just like, something is, you know, wait, I love this man, but something is weird. Something is off. Something is, you know, and my husband was like, what are you talking about? Cause when you were growing up in, in a house like that, you don't know any different. He didn't know any different. Yeah. His mother didn't say daddy is got some tendencies that are really not um, very loving and really not always healthy towards our relationships with him. You know, it was, I had to to almost beg for his attention. I mean, it was, and I was a daddy's girl, but I, uh, it broke my heart a million times. I mean, it's, and you just don't even, and there's different types of narcissists. I mean, it's crazy, the different types. So, yes. And I, I wrote myself a note when you were speaking about, you know, looking in the mirror and so forth and, you know, uh, wanting, you know, being stern with the hand, like I'm speaking, I have the mic, which was no mic, right? But, you know, I, it's, my, it's my table. Everybody's going to listen. Uh, I like to call that the limelight lover. And it could be a parent. It could be um, a child in the family, you know, where everybody is doting and shining a light on them. And therefore, everybody else is giving up pieces of themselves to, like you were talking about, please this person. Um, and when we do that, I feel like the flame in our heart just diminishes. You know, like when you, as you're speaking, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, it's a little ironic, right? Fire talker PR, because that's who you are, fire. But then, you know, this person or this environment, not person, let me say environment, was like trying to snuff you down, you know, (laughs) snuff you out, I guess is the right word. Um, So how did you, yeah, go ahead. Even in school, uh, I was always 
uh, a mile a minute. I mean, never I could. And back, you know, at that time, they right. really didn't have, you know, attention deficit disorder or, mm-hmm. um, you know, HDHD. They didn't have yeah. those things in motion. So they, they also I'm, didn't have like desks where you can get up and walk around that's you right. know, or, or like, Hey, Lynette, you're more comfortable on the floor. Here's a beanbag or whatever yes. they use nowadays. You know what I mean? They didn't have options. They yeah, and I, was, have... uh, I would finish my work first. I was a real bright kid, uh, almost straight A's type of child, you know, overachiever. Uh, and when I was, uh, when I finished my work, I would be bouncing around the room being a little know-it-all, you know, and I'd get sent to the principal's office and my mom would have to pick me up. And then, oh, gosh. you know, my dad uh, wanted me medicated. He, oh, wow. I was just, you know, something was wrong. And my pediatrician said, uh, I'm not medicating her on with anything. <laughs> a lucky kid consider yourself lucky and but my parents didn't feel that lucky yeah a happy a happy child who is getting good grades you know who has more energy give her something to do okay you finish would you like to color would you like to do jumping jacks over here you know like like Sonia would have liked to started dancing you know well oftentimes um she had a teacher who said to her um, I have to tell you, Sonia got in trouble today by me because she was talking to other people. She goes, and the other thing I have to tell you is I got in trouble for the same thing when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> so she's like, so it's a little hard for me to reprimand her. And I said, well, maybe one day she'll have her own, you know, TV show like Oprah, you know, <laughs> like, and she said, well, that's what my mother always thought about me, you know, and here I am talking all day in front of 24 kids. And so I think if we can see and recognize people for what they are, like if your parents had a way of coping and, or, you know, with a narcissist, it's a little different, but let's just say it was uh, Mr. Rogers and Mrs. Rogers, you know, and if, if you have a child who has that energy, who loves to share, you know, and you're not able to um, listen and another option is to ask them to write it down or nowadays, you know, make a video, tell me in a video. And when I can sit down, you know, quietly with my cup of tea, I will watch it with you so that we don't forget about what you were going to tell me. Or, you know, Sonia is such a great storyteller. Our daughter, I used to tell her, you know, like write a story for us. You know, it's so fun to hear her imagine and, and use the brain in another way or the child that needs to spin, let them spin, you know? Um, it's hard. I, um, I'm thankful that you shared about narciss- narcissism because it's something I think when we're so close, we don't know what's happening. So I'm going to give you just a short and then you can add in cause you, you've been in this as the daughter, but I'm sure you've noticed or recognized, I'm guessing it in marriages as well. And it could be the male or the female. It doesn't matter. Um, and they, they suck the energy out of the other people around them and they do it very brilliantly. I mean, it's really like a, 
an amazing thing to watch for me. I mean, scary, but amazing. But um, I found some women in marriages who that I worked with who didn't, you know, immediately recognize that they were married to a narcissist. And time went on and they were people pleasing, like you were saying. I like to call that somebody who's acting like Nora will give her a name where she's constantly shining the light on them. She's doing everything behind the scenes for them. It's kind of like your uh, manager, you know, they're the manager shining the light. Is the mic right? Is your, you know, lapel correct or your woman, your jewelry necklace, right? Um, and, um, and then over time, they start giving up these pieces of who they are and what their dreams were and what their, you know, aspirations in life were to the point where they, 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 they go downhill. And I'm not talking about deep depression, but I'm talking about disconnection yeah. where they, they're no longer. So can you give a voice to that? Because I think it, I didn't experience it myself personally. I'm just giving you what I've heard, but I'd rather in your words. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh common knowledge that we will often marry our parent. Yes. Um, <laughs> I married my dad. <laughs> uh, in, and in many ways I did in some ways, not, but in many ways, yes. <laughs> so it's uh, my first marriage and I'm married now. It's my second and final. Uh, and uh, it was a real interesting journey to be married to someone that was actually a, a combination of both my parents wow. and uh, was also a person that was dishonest. Um, mm. He uh, came from a very wealthy family and uh, there was always a, a very serious, uh, you are not, uh, you're a child, you don't matter. So I fell right into that Mm -hmm. and uh, I actually became not intimidated by my ex-husband, but by his family. I was terribly, uh, and I I never felt worthy to Mm -hmm. be, uh, you know, their son's wife. And they, they made it very clear. Uh, because wow. I didn't go to an Ivy League. You know, almost all the kids in their family went to, there's five, uh, went to Stanford uh, in mm-hmm. California. And I went to San Francisco State University and got a phenomenal education. Right. And, but yet that was not considered to be uh, the right caliber. Uh, when Frank's father first heard that, he kind of, you know, gave this oh, wow. very physical uh, yeah. expression of dismay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just feel that uh, not only from the spousal standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, but from, you know, their parents. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's something that I, never occurred to me until much, much later. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, the abuse, the emotional abuse 
really brought out all of those childhood hurts, all that. Yeah. Well, it's like repeat. It, it's um, like peeling off the bandage and and repeating the, you know, skinning your knee, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. So, I mean, by the time it was all over, I was a complete mess and mm -hmm. uh, to the point where I sought therapy. And, yep, you know, it was very, uh, I mean, because I didn't exist anymore. And right. uh, in therapy, you know, all of this that we're talking about right now yeah. surfaced as me feeling that I was unlovable. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a very, uh, it's like the umbrella of all the other things that flow underneath it. And well, and I, I think just to stop there for a half a second, I think that what we have to remember is that a lot starts in our childhood, in our younger years. And like you shared, when that message of you're being asked to be quiet after a given point and then physically removed from where right. you wanted to be as a connector, where people, per pe people persons we're people lovers, yeah. it, whatever the, you know, people, people, thank you. And, you know, I remember like if I got punished for, you know, having an attitude, which I'm sure I did at that, at those ages that the hormones start changing uh, when we're young, the first time they start changing. Right. But um, that I used to get sent to my room and that was like the worst thing because, you know, I was all alone. I was, this was a time where you, you didn't have a cell phone attached to your, your hand. And so it was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the bedroom. You know, where's my cat? Can I find it? At yeah, least somebody yeah. to talk with, you know, cause I yeah. could talk to the cat. The cat responded, you know, move the head, uh, snuggled up, you know, so um, but I think that what I wanted to point out is that feeling of unworthy or being unloved or we're not perfect or whatever we feel, you fill in the blank today, whatever it may have been that you could recall, is to note that we were seeing it from a five-year-old's view, right. not from an adult. We couldn't see, like Sonia couldn't see that I was so exhausted that that, you know, she wouldn't understand what it was like for me trying to manage a house with a husband who is waiting for organs, living on dialysis and trying to get food because she, she was, you know, no, she was two and a half. So like that experience for her of me saying, please go spin in the yard, spin around the dining room table, because she's seeing it from a two and a half or a five-year-old or a seven-year-old. So I love the fact that you sought therapy because I just want to say that it's wonderful as adults that we can see these things and then remember not to be down on ourselves or not to put ourselves down for feeling a certain way, whatever you fill in the blank, right? Uh, because it happened and we were seeing everything from a little person's perspective, from someone very young who didn't have coping skills or knowledge or friends or therapists or mentors, whatever, to help counselors, whatever the word is, to help them yeah. through. So yeah. that's I just wanted to point that out because I know being able to, to give voice to that is brilliant, Lynette. And I appreciate you being so honest and transparent 
because you're not alone, right? We all have experienced different things, but to be able to see them from adult eyes and then conquer, conquer them as an adult and maybe conquer sounds so harsh, uh, unsexy, unfeminine, but to, to bring awareness and then to be able to love and, and find our worthiness and, and feeling worthy is a huge topic that goes, I, I did a bunch of research on it. It's like centuries deep. It's not like from our parents, grandparents or yeah. great grandparents. It's centuries. It is, it is something that goes back so far. Um, but let's talk about business for just a few minutes um, about you and your ability to help people being seen and heard. So if you want to just talk about that for, uh, I'll leave it open-ended, however you want to approach that. Okay. Well, I, I really love, love, love. Uh, and this has morphed over time. Uh, mm -hmm. Group, um, uh, group uh, programs, mm -hmm. uh, small group programs uh, where, you know, I teach people, what they need to do for themselves to uh, become visible. Uh, they mm -hmm. say that you know, 80% of success is showing up. Right? Well, people always associate that with uh, being in person, but that 80% also means online. Mm -hmm. And I teach people and in the group settings, it almost ends up being uh, similar to a mastermind at the end, mm -hmm. because uh, bringing together very smart people and helping them to take their businesses to the next level. And then, uh, you know, we begin to discuss as a group what certain people may be having issues with is so energizing for me and mm -hmm. giving classes where people have the opportunity to learn how to work with me and one of my favorite ways is, of course, how you and I work mm -hmm. uh, with my VIP mentoring program. And a lot of the reason I created that was because so many people were asking me for that one-on-one -on -one attention. Mm -hmm. And uh, because prior to that in my business, I was doing campaign work uh, for larger organizations, product launches, grand openings, uh, you know, working with authors and speakers, which I still do. And I still do do all those other things too. But the one-on-one -on -one piece and mm -hmm. learning about where someone has come from, where uh, from there, from an executive standpoint, from a personal standpoint, how, and I help them build what they need so that they can then be visible enough Mm -hmm. to be interviewed by the media or, you know, a myriad of things that grow them to be the expert they are. When we put ourselves out there in a light that uh, presents us as someone that is worthy of being that go-to expert, it, it makes all the difference in how your business has grown over time. So with everything that I've experienced in my life, it gives me a very unique perspective and, and how I can help, not to mention, you know, like you and I were saying, you know, we're heartfelt individuals and we over deliver, mm -hmm. but it's a, 
Uh, and lots of people do what I do, but mm -hmm. it's like our fingerprint. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Right. No one fingerprint exactly the same in the whole world, which uh, for individuals, which blows my mind. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it tells me, you know, there's uh, someone for everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my heart just sings, you know, as a, a powerful, loving, committed woman to be able to uh, lift as I climb. That's a mm -hmm. huge thing for me in helping people just be all that they can be. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, and I think being able to be visible, seen and heard, um, is, you know, when somebody is a change maker and they're bringing something positive, like you were saying, heartfelt, so forth, out into the world, it's like you want them to be front and center. So the person who's in need of whatever it might be, that book, that podcast, that uh, mentor, that what a uh, that dose of inspiration to make this world a better place, make living life a better place for us to collect the pieces that we were talking about for us to be heard. And so um, with that, I want to bring up the opening to possibilities cards, because as connectors, we know that conversations are so important. And uh, I'll shuffle through my deck. I don't know if your deck is handy. So I'll shuffle through my deck. And then um, you just tell me when to stop. I, I didn't get to shuffle them. Usually I shuffle them at least a few times before we start. And I forgot to do that this morning. So let me get them. You can see I'll never have a, a career in Vegas of shuffling <laughs> cards. Although nowadays I think it's electronic. So, okay, maybe I can press the button properly. Okay, so Lynette, I'll start now and then you just tell me when to stop. And stop. Relationships. Okay. So, How ironic. Yes. So here we go. And they're Gerber daisies, which is one of my favorites. So relationships. Relationships bring you great abundance and austerity. And then you have three questions. You can choose to answer one or all two or three. Which relationships do you value most and why? That's the second one. What could you give, what could you, no, I can read my own stuff. What could give more joy to, to them? What could give more joy to those relationships? So which relations do you value, value most? Why? And what could more joy, what could give more joy to them? It's ironic. It's, well, it's not ironic. It's, there are no accidents. There there just aren't. Uh, I don't really believe in coincidence either. Uh, but relationships are so much of uh, what makes me who I am and what I do. Uh, but on a personal level, that relationship uh, would be with my husband. Mm -hmm. And he and I, like you and your husband, are... Uh, we are polar opposites, um, and I would want to bring more joy or how I could bring more joy uh, to that relationship 
which um, he is so uh, patient and giving and uh, it takes a lot to get him riled. But once he does, <laughs> that all goes crazy. But what I can do to bring more joy to him mm -hmm. is to bring more to myself. To, yes. To learn how to uh, find more joy around me. Uh, yeah. And sometimes that's a very difficult thing for me. Yeah. Uh, and when I'm down or overwhelmed and, you know, oh, this isn't working, you got to help me right now, or whatever, yeah. uh, that brings him down. And right. so that can often be really difficult. Mm -hmm. to, uh, I mean, joy is a great word. So what I would do and will do actually after you reading that card is <laughs> go through my deck and find it because I have the deck mm -hmm. and uh, think about it and I'm going to write about it and what comes to the top of my mind is going after something that makes me laugh and right. makes me smile and do more of that. Exactly. Uh, I and my work brings me a great deal of joy, but mm -hmm. life is not just all about fire talker PR. And I often find that very challenging. Mm -hmm. So finding the time, making the time, scheduling the time mm -hmm. to focus on me, to mm -hmm. uh, per there, and you have meditations on your site, mm -hmm. which are very powerful. Uh, and learning to, you know, and this is really being extremely vulnerable here, but learning to love myself more, right. especially because that's not only a part of that, you know, contract for myself that I mentioned earlier, but living a longer, healthier life. Yeah. Uh, when I get, uh, when negativity reaches inside of me, when mm -hmm. I'm intimidated by someone, uh, when a relationship with a client goes awry or uh, my husband and I, we become roommates for a while, uh, these things really are heavy triggers. Mm -hmm. and, and suddenly I can't find joy or happiness really to save myself. So. Right. That is uh, what I would do is mm -hmm. really dig deep and write it down. Uh, and when you're in that stuck moment, it really, you know, what brings me joy? Mm -hmm. When you have to think about what brings me joy, I mean, how bad is that, right? So that is something that, given what you just read, I'm going to spend more time on. Mm -hmm. And I think it will bring more creativity into 
not only uh, my business, but all my relationships. Yeah. And so that I'm not doubting, like when you hang out with someone that is supposed to be your friend and they never respond, right? Mm-hmm. Some weeks on end. And then uh, being with them, remembering that essence of joy it brings me. What does that mm-hmm. feel like? What does that right. mean for me? And then bottling it so that I can go back to it mm-hmm. and, you know, think about that. Uh, and I think your meditations are uh, a very wonderful way to, you know, capture, take that joy in the bottle that I found, right. and, you know, open the cork and pour it over my head mm-hmm. you know, and then moving through that meditation. Mm-hmm. So, that's my very long-winded <laughs> answer to to your card. Yes. So, and um, I think it's it made me laugh inside because I was thinking of somebody recently who I did a you know a, more than a discovery call, but a, a little session with for for something because they wanted to work towards getting a promotion in their career. And then when it came down to, you know, she was like, oh, no, I'm I'm fine settling in into my life. It's not perfect. It's this. It's that. You know, who really needs my help is my husband. And it's like it was so sad for me because really when um, it boiled down to her level of joy, it wasn't there. And it it hadn't been there in a while. And I think that what you said was spot on, Lynette, because when we fill our cup first, when we feel joy, we become contagious. We become sexy. You know, it's probably he, our husbands, our spouse, see you and I the way they saw us when we were dating. You know, and I I think that, it's so important. So thank you for sharing that. And the meditation that um, Lynette was mentioning is is powerful. And if you want to find it, it's under the For You tab on my website. And it's called, I think I have it, it's very uh, boringly called A Meditation for You and Someone Else. Because <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't very creative that day. But the truth is you fill your cup first with this five minute, it's five minutes in total. And you, once you know the words, because it's repetitive, you don't even have to listen to my voice. You can do it yourself, but in, in less than probably three minutes. But, um, you know, it's, it's so powerful to fill your cup first. And then the lovely thing about the meditation is you get to fill someone else's cup. And it really does change relationships. So, Lynette, thank you for um, sharing that. But how can people find you? Where can they find you? And I believe you have a, something, a gift for them today that will also be here at the bottom. So if you didn't catch her saying it, please don't worry. The link is here below. So people can reach out to me uh, either you know, via email at uh, this will, I'm sure, be in the show notes. Uh, Lynette at firetalkerpr.com. So you'll be able to get the spelling there. 
And of course, my website uh, goes into detail on several things, and that's firetalkerpr.com. But the, the big uh, thing that I want to bring to the table here is yeah. a gift uh, that is going to help you get started on you know getting the wheels turning things you can put into uh, action right now you know 21 tips to get visible starting now mm -hmm. and you can easily get that uh, complimentary uh, gift at igniteyourvisibility.com beautiful awesome well thank you Lynette and it's so important, I mean, showing up and not just from a public relations point of view, but if you are a mother, a father, if you're a wife, a husband, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a sister, brother, it doesn't, it, a, a, we said parent, but like a grandparent, a neighbor, just the more we show up, in our truth and in what I like to say, exquisitely aligned, the better the world is. And so Lynette, thank you for doing what you do, helping bring people uh, the visibility that you bring, the visibility you've brought me and so forth. And, um, and having been through the life experiences that were not so easy, but that you have taken to allow you to kind of like a, a diamond, right? the pressure of the of the earth on the coal allowing you to sparkle and shine from uh years of what i would say was maybe uncomfortable pressures from outside sources that were not not so comfortable and you took them and stepped into that invitation to make something amazing out of it so thank you for that and then just quickly i want to say you're invited to purpose possibilities and prosecco it is as fun as it sounds it is live or remote, and it is solely for you. You will be sitting with myself as your mentor and Sabine as your face reader. It's a very um, fast-moving, life-changing experience. It's two hours of transformation like no other. Again, it's Purpose, Possibilities, and Prosecco. You can email me at Gina at exquisitelyaligned.com or just simply click below. And in the, um, in the uh, regarding, you can put three Ps or purpose possibilities and Prosecco or just Prosecco, wink, wink. So Lynette, thank you for sharing so transparently, so candidly, things that were not the easiest to go through and giving them a voice because there are so many others in those experiences right now. And thank you for the work that you do, allowing us to shine brilliantly, uh, to be seen and to change the world in the, in the way that we're here to do, living our legacy and you doing yours. Thank you, Lynette. My pleasure. And it's been wonderful spending time with you today. Like always, you're, it's always a joy. Too bad you're not around the corner. <laughs> although, although we may not have gotten any work done if we were around the corner from each other. So thank you.